Talking Maiden. Podcast of the Beast. How you doing, Nesbitt? I'm doing good. Excellent, excellent. Been a busy couple of weeks. Uh, we've got a lot of our uh, uh, podcasts are going in pretty regular fashion right now. We're getting a lot of good responses. Um, TalkingMaiden.com. Go to our website for anyone who hasn't been there already. Um, we've been doing a little bit on Twitter. It's not a particularly active environment for... Yeah, we haven't uh, really been paying much attention to it. We did get a yeah. pretty cool tweet from somebody t- this week, though. Oh, yeah? Because I, I haven't seen a lot of engagement on there. I've, I, the Iron Maiden has a big following, uh, the official uh, uh, Twitter account. And they have a few sub-accounts. They have, like, the um, the Legacy of the Beast video game. I'm not sure what they'll do yeah, with Yeah, and the they tour. have a Trooper Beer account, too, I think. Yeah, and the Robinson Brewery is big on there. Yeah. But there's not a lot of engagement. i got to be honest. We got on there. I started following people. And even the uh, tweets that I've seen that have come, come through Maiden, like tend to be just almost like auto-program. There's not a lot of debate. Oh, yeah. It's not as exciting maybe as, as Reddit for the debates or the fan right. forum. This uh, tweet from Nathan Randall, what do, you, what do you make of it? Well, he tweeted a link to this band, uh, The Irons. Yeah, The Irons. They're, yeah, French they're, they're, they're the French tribute, tribute band. band. Yeah, And they were doing Empire of the Clouds live, which was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I went through a lot of their stuff. Um, they seem to have a pretty big following, pretty big on Facebook. I just watched that one uh, Empire of the Clouds thing, and that's pretty cool. Oh, it got me thinking, like, you were wondering if they could ever, if Maiden could ever do Empire of the Clouds as part of their live set. But yeah. Well, I wanted them to because I love the song. I know it wouldn't really fit be the kind concert. of a buzzkill at the concert, though. <laughs> it would. It It'd would. be cool, but I don't know if, it, how, if I want 20 odd minutes of my concert taken up with one song. Yeah, no, piano, that's true. And the piano yeah. is pretty basic. But I mean, uh, and Bruce Dickinson said he couldn't play it. But I mean, they got the guy Michael Kenny who plays their keyboards all the time live. I don't yeah. know. If it'd be no problem for him to do it. So I think they could very easily do it. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. They could do it. I don't think they will. Yeah. Um, I'd rather hear like three other songs. Yeah, four other three songs. other good songs. That's true. I mean, I guess just something different. I'd love to see yeah. them play piano, but they did a good job. I went through a lot of their um, their videos. I think I, I think I got into YouTube, um, kind of uh, dive on them. I think it was YouTube. I've been going through a lot of tribute bands, and of course, we've got uh, Made in Canada. We're going to talk to today. We're going to call them soon. So I've been going through uh, tribute bands, and of course, Made in Canada. I think are well, the best we've encountered in, in Canada thus far, for sure. There's a lot of good talent out there. There's a lot of people that are producing good Made in yeah. music. Yeah, which bode well is for after <laughs> when the band finally does pack it in, which hopefully is at least five, maybe ten years away. They will live forever in tribute bands. They will live forever. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, and um, well, Twitter, uh, there hasn't been a lot going on in Twitter, but um, I've been pr- become pretty actively tracking the Reddit. I don't post maybe as much as I should, but I love reading I've actually reading gotten everything. on Reddit now after we were talking. I, yeah. got, uh, I went on. I've been posting a few th- times, and they have this... Uh, Huge bracket with every single Iron Maiden song yeah. in the playoffs, and uh, I've been voting in that every now and then and checking on that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I looked at that, and it and it reminds me of when they do it with sports stars, and they compare people, and then you get like a a, a good right winger against a defender, and then you know it it, yeah. it it's annoying because you know like a song will go down against another song, and then another song will make it against a weaker song, and that song know, shouldn't yeah. have gone on. Yeah. So it's a round robin approach yeah, is really just, hard. It's fun though. Yeah, it is. It is fun. I mean, yeah, and and uh, yeah, we'll have to break it down at the end. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's not even close to being finished. But when it's finished, we should uh, talk about it on here. Yeah. Well, it's always going to be contentious. So one of the things that we saw on uh, Reddit, or one of the things that I saw on Reddit, which I'm not sure if you saw this, but I thought it was an awesome, um, an awesome discussion. 
um, Bruce Dickinson, Paul Diano, or Blaze Bailey singing Running Free, Who's I Your did, Favorite? I did see that. You did see that? Yeah. I'm going to play a clip of it. I think Paul Diano, hands down. Yeah, I voted, I weighed in, and I said Paul because the song's made for Paul. And right. when you hear it, you just hear Paul. And I, I think Bruce's take, we, we talked about when uh, some of the Blaze songs in our debate, how when Bruce redid them, some of the, the Blaze songs were actually better with Blaze. I feel the same way with this. But what surprised me is there was, I think there was about 12 or a dozen or more responses. Four people leaned in and said, Blaze and a couple of them were like regrettably Blaze. Like they yeah, did he did a good job with those songs. And that was the thing. I would, you know, I give my number one to Paul because it's his song because yeah. it was written for him. Yeah. But I give my second to Blaze. He's got that attitude and that delivery too. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it, it's not a sign that that lends anything to to Bruce's talent. That song's not so much about like vocal range and stuff. It's all about like attitude and delivery. And Paul Diano just like nails it. And Absolutely. Blaze does too. Yeah. And Bruce does. Yeah. Uh. But Bruce does a good job on it, but he's just not comparable with with uh, with Paul on this song in my mind. No, I agree. Yeah. To yeah. be honest with you, a lot of the the first two albums, there's not a lot of huge vocals in them. So even when he has to kind of adapt the song, which I don't know. Yeah, I know what you yeah. mean. There's enough. There's enough uh, Bruce stuff. I'm start I'm starting to come around. On it. <laughs> I'm starting to come around on it. The more you listen to Blaze, the more you're gonna like the Blaze stuff. That's the way I was anyway. I always kind of wrote it off and kind of like certain songs, but like it's like on a Maiden album where you love certain songs and then the more you listen you get into the deep cuts and those become your favorite that stuff happened to me with Blaze but like it took a lot longer yeah so a lot of like the second half of X Factor now I love I don't listen to the first half that much anymore so that's right I think I'm settling into this new phase as a Maiden listener where I know I'm starting to see everything holistically for as it is. You (laughs) know what I mean? Rather than just, this is better than that. It's like now where I'm getting so much deeper on as a part of this. But yeah, I'm at a stage now in my maiden listening where I almost like I'm a purist. And I've gone through this funny little thing where, you know, even, I don't know, I'm starting to really appreciate Paul a lot more. Um, even though I never really had a big beef with him. Even Blaze, I'm coming around on a bit. I think it's got a lot of it's got to do with just. As we've dived into the albums, now I'm starting to feel more of the context around the album. Yeah. So against what I've always talked about, which is I don't want to know too much. <laughs> but Blaze, to... Blaze should stick to singing Blaze songs, and when he does, yeah. he's awesome. Same with Paul. I wouldn't That's want right. to bring Paul Diano back and have him try to sing like <laughs> Evil the Men Do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine how bad yeah. that would be? I don't know. He has a good. He has a good range that people don't. If you listen to some of the older Paul Diano stuff. Uh, and some of the solo stuff like he's got more of a range than people give him credit for yeah but now when you see him do an interview it's like you know two packs of darts a day kind of guy <laughs> I don't even think he could sing happy birthday right now oh my god he's still touring he's still touring he's still touring he's still singing those Maiden songs it's pretty rough two man. I haven't seen any of I haven't heard him sing anything in a long time so okay yeah but we well we'll have to break some of that down then yeah but he's still he's still singing still touring oh yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he's got he's got a rough vocal anyway. Now it seems anyway. At least he's, the interviews I've seen. I would say out of anyone that has anything to do with Maiden, he has the most solo stuff out. Yeah, he's had the band called Paul Diano Battle Zone. Yeah, Diano Paul Diano, and then him and Dennis Stratton put out two albums. That's right. He's probably I would guess he has 15, 16, 17 solo albums out since he left Maiden. Yeah, like he's super productive. So he's just been totally active. Come to think of it, I mean, yeah, he's got to be what sixty something now. I would say, yeah. God, that's kind of a prick move by me, you know. Like you watch him, imagine you being in your sixties and giving an interview, and someone's like, "Oh, he doesn't got it anymore." I mean, come on, the fact that's that he's still when we're, going. we're arguing with Blaze Bailey like four or five episodes ago, and you're like, "Look at him, he's bald now." Yeah, look at him, he's, he's, he's gone bald. Like, that has nothing to do with he's anything. He's got to be sixty years old. And looks like look like Charlie Sheen. Um, you'd roll your eyes at what I was listening to all week. What which we is, listening uh, to? Blaze Bailey has these solo albums out now. Yeah. He had. It's a three-part concept album. It's called Infinite Entanglement. So I had the second one, uh, Endure and Survive. And I listened to it a few times, but I never really gave it a chance. And then I just got the first part, because it's the three-part trilogy. And the third part comes out this March, so they're like staggered by a year. And it's this like concept album with this guy, William Black, who they like select for a space mission. And they put him in this suit that's going to like make him live a thousand years. But if he ever takes it off, he'll die because he's dependent on it. And like the first album is him like wondering if he's still a man or if he's still human or if he's a machine and all this stuff. <laughs> like all the lyrics. <laughs> it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. And then he, uh, the second album, he's, he gets sent on the space mission to like this new earth where they're going to, I don't know. It doesn't really explain. It's really vague, like a concept album. And you're, you're trying to put stuff together from the lyrics. And I haven't actually sat down and read through the lyrics. But there's all these like spoken word parts between the things, between all the songs that set it up like a almost like a movie. Yeah. And I don't know, I got sucked right in. I'm a sucker for uh, for concept albums. And the second second album, uh, Endure and Survive. He's like, we find out that like the the company that put him on the ship, they have, they have this thing called like the Under Mission, which they don't really explain. And they find out that he was in the special forces, and then his family got killed, and he. He, uh, there's something called the West Flanders Insurrection. <laughs> and became the butcher of Weevilham. Weevilham. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, apparently he, like, went all rogue or whatever as a mercenary. Oh, wow. And then they reined him in and they recruited him for this mission, but, like, they have this ulterior motives. And then the end of the <laughs> spoiler alert for anyone that's going to listen to the Blade Family Soul albums. But at the end of the second album, they're, like, going to, they're, like, cleanse the ship with fire and they're going to kill him because. I don't. They, I don't really figure out exactly what's going on yet. Oh, that's awesome! But it's this big, huge, like story arc going through the whole thing, and yeah. it's. Uh, I don't know. I'm just a sucker for stuff like that. Yeah. Like, have you ever listened to Rush Twenty One Twelve? No. Twenty One Twelve is like this concept album about it's in the future in tw- the year Twenty One Twelve, and uh, there's these people called the priests of the, of the Temple of Syrinx, and they control all media and information, like. Uh, <laughs> like Silicon Valley, yeah, they're like, yeah, and they yeah, exactly, and they create like, there's no music, but like all the information, all the pictures you see, all of everything is created is controlled by these priests, and everyone lives in this like dystopian future, and they don't know any different. And this guy finds this like relic behind this old wa- in a cave behind a waterfall. He finds an old guitar and learns how to play it. Oh, and it's like awesome. music and then he takes it to the priests and he's like look what I found look at this new thing and they like take it and they smash it and they're like that's a relic from they have no time for it and they smash it <laughs> and he's broken hearted and he goes back to this he can't live in this future now that he has a glimpse of like music yeah and he just lives the rest of his days in this cave until he dies and then at the end there's this big thing where like I don't know it's all this one big 20 minute song it's side one of 2112 
And at the end, like, there's this announcement that these, it's like, attention planets of the Solar Federation, we have assumed control, and you're like, <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. But it doesn't really, just like the Blaze Bailey album, it doesn't really explain everything. Yeah. So you're kind of putting together some stuff in your head. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm just a sucker for that. I'm sucker. Even, and Kiss has, have you ever heard of Music oh, from the Elder? No. <laughs> so Kiss did this concept album called Music from the Elder. I got obsessed with this album for a while. Oh, God. So it's like the same guy that did The Wall. Like Kiss had Dynasty and Unmasked where they were like, their costumes were like at their peak of like ridiculousness. Yeah. And they were like kind of a joke and looked at as a joke. And they're like, we're going to reinvent ourselves as these serious artists. So they put this concept album out with Bob Ezrin. He was just off doing The Wall. And it was like this boy, there's this guy Morpheus from the Order of the Rose and he recruits this boy to fight fate evil. And it was going to be a trilogy. But so they recorded this album and had all these spoken word parts. Yeah. And uh, they took it to the record company. The record company was like, no. And they cut all the speech parts out and they rearranged all the tracks and put all the catchy ones first. And it's like, it doesn't sound like a Kiss album at all. Like if I no. played it for you, you would never, in a, never think it was Kiss. Yeah, enough that I might like it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... Anyway, so they got abandoned and Kiss kind of disowned it. Yeah. But I bought this book. It's like 550 pages. It's called like Odyssey. And it's the definitive study of music from the Elder. Yeah. And it's like interviewing everyone that has anything to do with the Elder. I, it's These concept albums, as soon as I get it, and the cheesier they are, the better. The better. I just get sucked in. And then I'm like, it doesn't really explain this part. What's going on? What's going on? Well, Kiss had a cartoon, didn't they? Uh, they have Scooby-Doo <laughs> meets Kiss. Yeah, but the, came out a couple of years ago. My daughter loves it. Oh wow! Uh, anyway, that's what I was listening to this week was uh, Blaze Bailey. The first two, getting ready for March when the uh, third part of this trilogy comes out. Cool. Yeah, I've got a little uh, shocker follow up from our um, best covers podcast, and I can't, I can't take oh best uh, album covers. best album covers okay, right. and singles, right? Not but cover it, songs, cover yeah, yeah, because album art. Yeah, and this well, when we were scheduling our our uh, interview with uh, Made in Canada, Kyle Sachak, who we're we're going to meet shortly, he he sent this to me via email, though he wouldn't take credit for it. Brad uh, Salem and the band there apparently came up with this, but he had listened to our our cover album, uh, our cover um, podcast, and then he um, he he mentioned the the Brave New World cover because yeah. we had broken it down very briefly, I think, in the podcast. Right. And if you remember, it was a two-parter by Derek Riggs, and I think the bottom part was about some guy, Steve, someone. Stone. Steve, Steve Stone. Yeah. Um, but that cover has, was determined later, apparently, by Kyle. And this was written up. I couldn't find a source on this, but he said it was on message boards. It's a ripoff. Oh, really? It's a ripoff of this movie poster. It's actually an, uh, a ripoff of this poster. Fright Night? Yeah, Fright Night. From 1985, and the, kind de- of. the dead giveaway though is the look at these pieces in the side, the the fish and the bows are identical, oh, yeah, and even on this right. side, the background is exactly the same. You're right, and well, it's not uh, exactly the same, but it does and look apparently like Maiden found out about it later, and we'll we'll have oh, to ask yeah, Kyle it, about it. it. Totally is, yeah. It's a total ripoff. I never Derek, that. It's interesting that Derek did that. That he pulled that together. So yeah. I can't take credit for that. So if anyone's listening to this, yeah. go Google Fright yeah. Night, the movie Fright Night. The movie poster. The movie poster. Yeah. And the Iron Maiden Brave 85. New World album cover. 
and look at the not the face but the, the clouds to the side of the face on both on both sides you can see like because at first like, i was like man yeah. it doesn't really it just kind of looks like blah 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 but now that you point Once that you point out, that out it's it's actually a it almost looks like rip-off. they use this and paint it over it it looks like they put an eddy over it yeah um because all of the surrounding pieces and on both sides you've even got it on the other side as well it matches up now so Derek Riggs i'm showing you a print out there but if you look at the high and you wonder if he didn't do that yeah, you know, if there wasn't some ulterior motive there. I think yeah. we're just speculating now, but... I think he probably maybe used it as a guide and painted over it. Yes. And got busted. But it's interesting. But furthermore, there is another piece to this, is that the original Fright Night became the inspiration for the new Stranger Things uh, poster. They The artist said he used that as an inspiration. Now, obviously, he didn't rip it off, but he yeah. loved the idea of the clouds shining down now there are a few horror movies in this genre anyway but he threw back to that one because that poster was apparently pretty original now i've done a, a fair amount of searching online on the fright night poster there this afternoon i was just playing around there's been all kinds of reproductions it's, it's quite a famous poster okay and it's pretty interesting so wow, that, that's cool i never knew that yeah so that it's so well uh now i i didn't know it either until kyle told yeah me, no, but, cool. but ultimately there's a little bit of history isn't that cool yeah yeah and of course this is one of my favorite covers, but now it kind of taints it, doesn't it? That's and, still pretty cool. <laughs> and maybe it, maybe it adds depth to the story. Yeah. But now don't you want a, a high-res version of that original movie poster cover? No, I don't need yeah. a high-res. I can see that it's totally... It's totally the same. Yeah. And I've, you know what? I've never noticed that fi- that face that you're pointing to. I never, yeah. ever noticed before. Yeah. It's pretty crazy, eh? At first, when you see it, you're like, ah, oh, but then when you see it, the, 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 like the, almost like the fish thing and then that yeah. crazy face. No, it's definitely They're painted identical. over. It's painted over, I think. Yep, exactly. A little bit of interesting feedback. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Kyle, for that one. That's not too often that we can get uh, something on here that slipped by. So we should probably uh, call them. Yeah, get uh, we're doing a call up. with uh, Made in Canada, the tribute band from Manitoba. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to hold our beer until we have a beer with them because I've been actually... Right. For the it. first time in yeah. uh, in podcast. We're going to have In a, our podcast. We're going to have a, a remote beer. Actually, not the first. We did one with Luke Allen. That's true. Okay. For the second time. For the second... Right. The secondest time. First time, it's a double-double beer, <laughs> uh, which is a Canadian reference for a Canadian band. All right. So we're going to get them in and we'll be right back. So we're back, and we're here with Made in Canada. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Really good. Excellent. So this is Kyle Sachuk and Brad Salen. All right on. It's the uh, Steve Harris and the Adrian Smith. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, so guys, we, you guys reached out to us uh, after a post on uh, Reddit, and we kind of, well, we linked up and had a few emails, and we went on your website and looked at a lot of your stuff, and you're you're great to supply us with some MP3s. And we really enjoy what you guys are doing. Been through a lot of it now. Um, I've got to say, very impressed. Oh, thanks. Uh, we uh, we've recorded a few different times, and uh, uh, it's been a, a super fun process because you know someone like me hasn't done the recording process too much, and we're lucky that Brad here actually is a bit of a sound engineer. I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of going back to my uh, alma mater recording studio, and I mean those recordings. Uh, Although very rough, uh, we're pretty much recorded straight live with uh, maybe one or two takes uh, just to give us kind of a quick uh, little snapshot of what we sound like. But uh, yeah, glad you enjoyed them. Yeah, when I was talking to Kyle before, he mentioned that, 
you know, um, we're always hardest on our own work, but I've got to say that the, the quality of the recording are very good, and we're going to tee up a few clips uh, for the listeners here today. And of course, uh, quick plug, what's your website address? It is uh, obviously www.maidencanada.com. Maiden spelled obviously like the Iron Maiden. And then we're also on Facebook as well, slash Maiden Canada. Okay, fantastic. Cool. So you guys have been on the go for what, like five years? It's just about five years, I Yeah, think. coming up to five years. Yeah. So. so you guys started as, was it Maiden Manitoba? We did. I'll, maybe, I'll let Brad go a little bit deeper here. Okay. I, actually, when we first started, uh, I guess we were Iron Nation, but I don't think we even gigged as that. It was, uh, that was tossed out pretty early in favor of uh, Maiden Manitoba. Uh, and was made in Manitoba up until uh, fairly recently, where we decided to just kind of go completely national with it and, uh, and take the bait in Canada name instead. So I got to jump in here for a second. You guys are both, are you both from Manitoba? Yes. Yes. And are you both Jets fans? You know, honestly, honestly, I'm a Habs fan. The, the older I get, the less interested I am in hockey anyway, so it really doesn't matter to me. It's the only way it could have been worse. Uh, we're going to flush oh, the call yeah. now. I was going to say, this <laughs> is a goal from here on out. Um, I'm actually itching for a beer. Do you guys have a, a beer you're going to tee up there? Yeah, we actually do. What do you do? You guys have anything notable that you want to mention? Yeah, we've got this Nan's Banana Bread um, beer. We get uh, Mill Street opened up in downtown St. John's. Mill Street's a, a Toronto brewery, but they've done some really cool local beers here. It's a traditional Hef yeast and dark chocolate malt. Dunkel Weizen. I don't know. I always just think of those as Oktoberfest beers. A <laughs> uh, little bit of banana flavor, and it's. Uh, I'm wondering now how Nesbitt's going to react to this. It what do you guys? Not sounding good, but I'm going to reserve my judgment until I taste it. <laughs> we are drinking what's something local here to Manitoba. It's called Farmery Ale. There's they've got their standard Farmery Ale, and they've also got. I don't know if it's limited, but they've got a Scotch Ale, which I'm going to try. So uh, they brew that here in Nipawa, Manitoba, but it's just like a kind of a bit of a race here in Manitoba right now. Cool. All right. Well, if you listen to the podcast, before we drink our beer, we always play Soundcliff. <laughs> Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. All right. Pretty good here. Virtual cheers. All right. Mm. It's a very banana-y. It is banana but it's in a good way, in a good way. Uh, I think I can, I don't know. We were hoping to tee up a little Manitoba microbrew for, for uh, you guys for the podcast, but uh, we couldn't get any, sadly. Absolutely. We actually do get the Mill Street products out here. I've heard of the banana bread one, but I still haven't seen it around. Good old Nan's banana bread. Can't go wrong with it. So you guys are in a tribute band. You guys, I assume, are all like huge, huge Maiden fans. Yeah, I think most of us uh, have been fairly uh, baiting fans for, you know, for multiple decades. You know, kind of grown up with it and kind of lived and breathed it for a long time. So, so before you started this tribute band, uh, were, you, were you guys in a bunch of other bands? Uh, myself, uh, I've been in quite a few different bands, kind of ranging all over, uh, you know, a bunch of different styles and different instruments and stuff. But uh, growing up as a kid, Myron Bain was kind of always number one. Uh, it's just a shame when I didn't hook up with all these guys 20, 30 years ago, you know. <laughs> Life would have been a lot different, you know, but uh, um, it's kind of nice to come back to the basics with Maiden and play music that you've kind of, you know, been playing for 30 years plus. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way here, like huge, huge Maiden fan. Got into them in, I would say, like I was pretty young at the time without giving away my age, but uh, probably in around the Power Slave era was my first, uh, not necessarily my first cassette ever, but was my first 
Taste of Maiden, that or Number of the Beast, I don't remember which exactly. But uh, I actually have not played in other bands. Brad has played in a whole bunch of different bands, but I've never, other than gigging around with some stuff in people's garages, I've never actually had actually been on a stage until uh, Made in Canada. It was, uh, it, you know, a little bit nerve-wracking the first time, but now it's old hat and it's just a blast. So you have an Adrian and a Dave Murray in your band. Yep. And do you guys, like, stick to the Adrian and Dave guitar parts? Oh, religiously, uh it actually drives me nuts when we see other tribute acts that uh, that do the same kind of Aiden thing, but they swap back and forth all the time. It's uh, I don't know if it's just laziness or not not being familiar with the material, but when you see tribute bands that aren't uh, aren't being faithful to the to the solos, to the harmony lines, or the, or the rhythm parts, it's you know you're a tribute act for a reason. We take it seriously. Um, and between me and our uh, Dave uh, Murray counterpart Eric Logo, our other guitar player. We were very much uh, in the same style as those guitar players do, so it works really well with Dave uh, Murray's style, really lending to Eric and, and me. I'm more of an Adrian kind of player anyway, so it just naturally fits that way. Well, that's cool, because I was looking at your website, and you guys have uh, some pictures up there. Yeah. And uh, I see you're playing a Steve Harris precision bass, and Brad plays a Jackson Adrian Smith model. Yeah, and Eric has a couple of the, uh, the Dave Murray uh, strats as well. They're actually quality instruments too. Like I was quite impressed with the Adrian Smith model. That it's uh, it is pretty much my go-to uh, guitar. I mean, I also bring always some of backups and stuff. But the uh, the Adrian Smith model is is uh, it's, it's a really awesome guitar for the uh, for the price point with it too. I was going to add that for the I don't know if your listeners are, are super interested in this, but the Steve Harris bass is basically a tank. I owned a, a Fender P uh, before I owned this one, and um, this Steve Harris P is probably double the weight, uh, I'm not exaggerating, that a normal Fender P is. It is absolutely heavy, brutish, but the sustain on it and the action on it, it's just incredible. Cool. You're going to need one of those uh, big, thick Steve Harris straps. <laughs> Considered it. Like, I, I thought about it, and I'm like, how am I going like, to either make that or buy that? Because I don't want my back to go out on me. Because me and Josh saw a Iron Maiden tribute band like a year ago. And uh, I'm, when we, I actually noted to him that the two guitar players, they were kind of swapping back and forth, and they're playing uh, Ibanez, like Strat-shaped Ibanez guitars, not like Destroyers or anything. And I was like, uh, that's not really... Yeah, it's... The, not that that should matter that much, but... Yeah, the neon guitars and the pinch harmonics and the squealing, like the metal shreddy stuff, where it's not even the same style. It just kind of drives you crazy, because that's not what Maiden's about. Yeah, I kind of find myself almost sometimes I'm similar to... Like Mark Wahlberg and Rockstar, I'm watching it going, guys, that's not how it's supposed to sound. <laughs> yeah, so guys, um, how do you decide on your set list? And I know you guys have some uh, shows coming up. Um, are you going to shake it up? Or are you going to stick to a fixed set list? Well, the set list has been, I mean, I think when we first started, there was a list of go-to songs where we figured, okay, these are the tunes you're going to have to have in a set no matter what. Um, and then we experimented for a fair bit, adding you know, some different tunes, trying to be a little bit more... Uh, obscure, but you kind of learn as you go. With each show we do, we see which songs get a reaction, which ones don't. Uh, we try them again for a few more times, and then uh, you know, kind of retire them. And we always like to have a couple of surprises, but it's uh, it's hard because doing what we do and where we're doing it, it you're kind of forced to being uh, part of a greatest hits package. You want to have some songs for the diehard fans, but our uh, our set list is fairly static these days. Because we'd rather focus on doing a doing a solid show and building more of the theatrics around it, as opposed to just kind of picking up the guitar and playing whatever tune kind of comes to mind. So it is fairly static with what we do. We always work on new material because that just keeps things exciting. But uh, it really is uh, 
the show was kind of built uh, around, you know, a static set list with occasional tunes being swapped out. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And uh, what uh, I'll, I'll just add that uh, in case anybody's kind of wondering, we our set that we have currently, without giving away too, too much, uh, I would say is about 20 to 22, maybe 23 songs. But we actually have in the kitty, like if we had to, we could probably pull out six or seven songs that we've got kind of, you know, snap the finger and we could play them if we wanted to. It's more of a choice. This is the set list that we think the, this, I don't want to call it necessarily the casual fan, but maybe I'll use that term. The casual fan would be like, okay, I know what these ones are and I like this. Well, yeah, that's something I was going to ask you. Like I saw online something about you guys were jamming Deja Vu. <laughs> yeah, we, we had that one pretty well rehearsed. Uh, Deja Vu was uh, ready to go. There's uh, like, I mean, we play women in uniform quite a few times as well. And there's songs that, songs that I think like, hey, I'm ecstatic and we're playing women in uniform. And you look out in the crowd and everyone's just stunned and they have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, we're having a good time. But uh, there's songs like that where it's just, you know, and plus the, the kind of gigs we've been doing, and we have a lot of time to fill, whether we're doing two hours, three hours of material, which is a lot of time for any band. Because uh, basically we're playing bar, bar gigs, which is giving us, you know, your classic top uh, 40 kind of, uh, you know, demands for a band. So when we come and do it big, we have a lot of opportunity to play a lot of material. Um, but we're trying to get, you know, to a bit more focused of, of a show and just kind of, we'd rather do uh, 20 songs really, really, really well as opposed to 30 kind of, you know, you know, below subpar on some of them. Yeah, that's a big philosophy of ours is keep, we'd rather do less amount of songs 20 or so really well instead of doing 30 and with any sloppiness but yeah guys um are there any like any surprises you know uh well you, you obviously just mentioned that you know you got a few off the but is there anything that you do that kills on stage that that surprises you like just to throw it back to book of souls i remember like uh oh god this the science case you know climb like a monkey became a huge thing and and just like bruce never saw that coming but is there any any like i mean obviously you're playing you're kind of in that genre where you have to play the familiar songs and you're not going to be in front of a room of of hardcores that often but is there any any aspect of it that that you, the crowd reacts differently than you'd expect yeah one song that really sticks out to me is as it goes over well every single time we play it is fear of the dark and it's a song that i mean just maybe just my generation growing up like kyle said that power slave era it just blows me away at how many young people and even old people that is like a, a number one song for them which i I mean, I always hated Maiden, including it in recent sets and playing it through the Somewhere Back in Time tour and up to this day. And I never quite understood why the hell they keep that song in the set, but I get it after playing it. It's uh, That song goes over almost better than any other song, pretty much consistently every day. Yeah, it's one of the better ones that goes over with crowds. Yeah, I guess people are comfortable and they know it's coming and, and it's the... Ca- yeah, that makes sense. I, I have the same reaction. Fear of the Dark to me now, it's just so... I, I It doesn't get me pumped, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a surprise how many people uh, yeah just from and like people come up or or even people who are at the the bars or even metal people like they know that song. And I'm like, how do you know the song? She's like, <laughs> like really, this is the Maiden song that you're you're excited about. Yeah, I know it's so sad that that's the song, but yeah, <laughs> it's a big song, right? Yeah, we I don't think we even Brad, correct me if I'm wrong, but when we first started, I would say the first let's say two years we didn't have fear of the dark on our set list but we were like look we gotta add this because people are just crazy about it yeah that one wasn't in the set for a long time yeah you do the wicker man a lot of those post brave new world songs have three guitarists when they do them live so like what do you do about those era songs the only song we do kind of from that era is the wicker man but i mean it, it 
But that doesn't, that's not the reason why we don't. I mean, having two guitars in the band, as you know, I mean, listening to uh, the three guitar attack, it really is. Adrian has really become kind of the peripheral guy, and Yannick really does all of Adrian's rhythm parts on the older material. So, I mean, we kind of revisited looking at possibly getting a third guitar player. But when we looked at the breakdown and really looking at what the guys were doing, yeah, they each have their solos and a lot of the new material, but a lot of it's just doubling what the other guys are doing. Right. And, and so it's not really that complicated or really doesn't take that much away. It doesn't stop us from doing new material. You know, Kyle, probably there's other reasons why we, we don't uh, do a lot of the, the post-reunion stuff. Yeah, well, uh, like I was going to mention before, one of the things we noticed is our first and foremost, we want to entertain people. We want the people that want to come see Maiden, whether you're casual or hardcore, we want you to walk away going, that was amazing. So we're very conscious about, well, what songs should be in the set list? And right from the beginning, we said, okay, well, should we put any of the brand new or the new era songs in there? And to our, in our heads, we were going, if we were only going to pick one song to put in, and I'm, I'm frankly, I'm, I'm almost upset that you found it, found it in a list because I was going to ask, turn this question around on you guys and say, what song would you think? But it is, we thought, for sure, people are just going to eat up Wicker Man. It's fast. It's a rocker. Everyone from the new era just loves that song. But unfortunately, every single time we play it, we seem to find that the crowd is kind of looking around going, eh though they don't really know the song necessarily. So we're, we actually do have about four or five songs in our repertoire off their new stuff or off the new area era. And uh, we just were a little bit afraid almost to pull it out because if you're not going to rock out to Wicker Man, then we're not sure you're going to rock out to anything in the new era. I mean, if they're not going to, if they don't know the Wicker Man, they're not going to know anything off a of matter of life or death or dance to death or anything like that. And we, we actually picked uh, wicker man. I think wicker man was one of our top for noobs. And I said, it's number one. And for me, it's, you know, it's such a simple song to, to, to get into that. Yeah. I mean, you'd expect everybody would know that. Yeah. Cause that's one thing I wanted to ask you is like, when you're talking about deep cuts, like what makes a deep cut? Cause like to maiden fans, you have to go pretty deep to get a deep cut. But then when you think of a casual maiden fan, they kind of only know those four or five classic albums. So Rainbow's Gold or some other B sides, just to throw some uh, stuff into it, because uh, you know, or I mean, what other people would consider deep cuts is I mean, Flash of the Blade, uh, yeah. stuff like that. Back in the Village. I mean, it really aren't deep cuts, like to people who actually know who made an arc. Yeah, but it's uh, it would be fun to do those. But I, I kind of know the reaction you get would be. It'd be just kind of this small, yeah. uh, this small response. They would but, look at it with an eyebrow raise. I mean, the one thing we have kind of tossed around, and I mean, it's it's a challenging thing, but we're, we've we've talked about doing a big giant medley. It's kind of a big set closer, doing like twenty Baden songs in a row, just you know, grabbing some courses and verses and just doing a big giant epic finale, and basically have a song from every album or something in there just to kind of go out on a big bang. But uh, that's something we're still kind of tossing around. Yeah. So this is unrelated to. Uh to you guys but me and josh are always fighting and debating about blaze bailey what do you guys think of blaze bailey and those two blaze bailey albums you know honestly again it's putting a perspective of time i mean when when bruce left it was obviously very sad for everybody and you know good well you know good luck on the solo tour kind of a thing and then when blaze came along i actually i was not a i i didn't dislike the x factor i thought it was an actually okay album it was different it was good for them to keep going on and especially the state of metal and everything else at the time. I mean, anybody who was uh, alive in the mid-90s and early 90s certainly have a have a different perspective of what music was like in general. So, I mean, looking at it 
now in hindsight, people can kind of rag on the Blaze Bailey era, you know, but going through it at the time, it didn't seem to be as bad until Virtual 11 came along. And then, yeah, that for me was kind of the breaking point. I'm like, God, they're not even trying anymore. You know, <laughs> to me, it's the, it's the it's the sloppy bass work on uh, on just the whole recording. It's like this was the first track they laid down. And I'm like, what, did Steve not even like listen to the playback? Especially on the Klansman. I mean, he's he's screwing up the song when he's playing it on, on the studio recording. And it's like, geez, guys, like, just just pack it in, really, at that point. So, yeah, um, I was going to just ask, you're going to, for me, you're going to have to explain who Blaze Bailey is. Sorry, I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was kind of felt the same way about those two albums. But the X Factor has really, really grown on me in time, yeah. with time. Yeah. And I really, really like the X Factor. Virtual Eleven, there's a couple of songs on there that are decent, but like I like the Educated Fool, but a lot of that album I can take or leave. But the X Factor, I like. Matt, Josh thinks both those albums are not Iron Maiden. <laughs> well, no, it's not I don't think they're... I've come around a lot on it. I mean, I don't know. For me, I'm so... You, I'm so drawn to the vocal aspect. I mean, you guys are here breaking down guitars and bass, and, and I've never played any of that. I played some drumming growing up, and, and I, I love classical music as well. And I, I just, I feel that, you know, when people call Iron Maiden metal, that's so reduction in a way because the vocals are so good. It's, I almost equate it to opera. And, and it's, I, I love it so much. And I just felt that era let us down. But what Kyle was saying, I really bit into because. I feel the same way now after we've had so many of these debates that I look back, I don't think in that period of time anyway, you know, that was the grunge era, you know, and the post grunge, there was like metal was in such a weird yeah. place and there wasn't really going to be much coming out of it. I guess my key takeaway uh, from it is, you know, I, I do agree with you on the Klansman, I think, but I think that's an epic song that it's been, it's been fixed live over time. And, and, you know, I, I agree with the, the take on the two albums. I guess where I think the discussion needs to go is that we lost a lot of people or a lot of people shut off from the new era of Made a Brave New World onward, which I think they're missing out on so much. So those two albums to me are what they are. And, you know, I, I mean, you could even, I could even make an argument for the few albums that preceded them, but um, they, that, that era wasn't the best era. It wasn't the early eighties. It was, there was nothing going to come of that caliber at that time. And I just think, I think past it, they've hit, back to the early 80s in quality in a sense the only difference in say how like book of souls is received versus say somewhere in time is literally that the sands have shifted in the fans age and that metal is different now than then so i i kind of try and now preface the debate to say like we lost a lot of people from the train that should be paying attention to the new stuff well it's it's i still quite don't understand the blaze bailey decision i mean they had their pick as you know they auditioned hundreds and hundreds of guys and knowing what the music scene was like at that point, I couldn't understand. I, I can get why you would not want a Bruce Dickinson clone to come in. But but surely you have to bring in somebody who had at least the capability to, to do justice to the, the previous catalog. Uh, and Or at least have somebody who had a bit of a distinctive, different kind of a voice. I mean, obviously grunge was going on. You're not going to bring in a, you know, a Soundgarden kind of clone. But um, it just never quite sat well with me why they chose Blaze Bailey. Yeah, and that... And- for me, it's not that he isn't a great singer. Like you can look up stuff. I'm sure you have one, like YouTube, where people are comparing them kind of side by side and saying, "Look, Blaze Bailey can hit the notes." Because for me, he can hit a lot of the notes. But it's it's almost like I, Josh. I think you touched on this, but it's like that first era is just so iconic that no matter who they brought in, 
whether his voice was similar, people would say, oh, it's similar. He's trying to be yeah. Bruce or because he wasn't similar. Oh, well, he's not the same. I don't like this. I just think that era was it was kind of pooch to begin with. Like, I feel like we were just in a bad situation. Absolutely. I'm, I'm here smiling away because I think a lot of my points have been made. And uh, and and that's what's there, kind of eating it for once on this one because I've been just given ground on this. The Maginot line hasn't been holding up on this debate for me, but I, I totally agree with you. And it, it's the challenge of do you get a clone? And yeah, and you're always in direct comparison. But then, like you also pointed out, you go in the opposite direction, but you didn't go in the opposite direction. Maybe in terms of quality, you picked a different style singer, but even in that, even in the space he's in, he doesn't. Right. And like I always say, he suits the X Factor songs, but. Like, have you listened to any of those bootlegs of live? Oh, they're terrible. It's, yeah, it's really terrible when he tries to cover some of the classic songs, the Bruce era songs. Well, that men do. I mean, those basic songs, yeah. they're heaven can wait. It's just, it's utterly painful. And then the difference between, like, for me, when you take something like the Klansman uh, studio version, I remember myself just thinking, okay, this song is beyond mediocre. It's an absolute five out of 10 for me. And then when Bruce does it, it's like I get chills and I want to put my head through a brick wall. <laughs> the same thing happens with uh have you heard you must love have heard it. bruce do lord of the flies i i love that version of it it's it's and it's not just bruce's voice it's like the rest of the band just have a lot more energy when they're doing it live like as opposed to those studio recordings how's the bear going down guys fantastic so listen nesbitt i want to give you one because you're bad on with the blaze bailey thing can if there's any duct tape you have to take the duct tape and you have to cover Josh's mouth for two minutes because he didn't put the trooper on the news list for Iron Maiden. How could you leave that off? <laughs> oh, God. No, no, no. To me, uh, I don't think it's... Uh, no, Trooper, I love to pieces, but I, I don't know. I, I think Trooper is like a sign that resonates with you when you join the Maiden clan. That's that's the difference, I guess. I, I looked at it and I, I did debate that, but for me, I just it, it's like an anthem. So I, I felt like an anthem is, I don't know, maybe, maybe you know, maybe you're making me rethink it now, but no, Trooper for me, I don't know. I played it for a lot of people. It's iconic. People who don't know Maiden do know it, but I don't know. I just love the quick, pumpy, catchy ones. What guys, what would you guys put on your list? Oh, Weekend Warrior for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's oh, the one. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't want to be labeled the Blaze Bailey stuff again, but since you're, you guys are obviously the people you can have this conversation with. And you're you're making me remember that time period in such an intimate detail. Um, I never understood. I mean, the B sides that were for the X Factor stuff, like uh, Justice of the Peace or Judgment Day, I, I still think would have been far better album tracks and would have given the X Factor a lot more life and rock as opposed to the, the darkness that that album had. Why they chose to take those songs, which were such good short rockers, and delegate them to B sides, still kind of blows me away. I think it would have changed. Not the, the future of Maiden, but it certainly would have made that album a lot more palatable for people. Yeah, it is weird for Maiden because normally they're not, you know, they're not one of those bands that records a bunch of songs and then picks a picks the ones for the album. They pretty much just record the album. So it was weird that they did that. And especially those tracks. I mean, those B sides were short rockers. Like why they they chose of all songs to not put on that album. Those tunes were the ones that were kind of left to uh, the B side territories. Kind of kind of a kind of a strange choice. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm here going through trying to find my list and figuring out if, why I left Trooper off. Uh, no, you know, I'm standing by that. I, I don't think it belongs on a noob list. I think it does. The I think, Trooper, yeah, for sure. For sure it does. Yeah. 
And uh, be quicker be dead for me is like the number one. It just everybody listens to it, and and of course any like the first four tracks on Seventh Son, like I played them for my nephew, they bite right away. And um, but yeah, no, fair enough. Trooper does, I guess. See, I think uh, be quick or be dead doesn't have that I'm, hook. I'm giving it a vocal hook. Yeah, but so quick does. and simple. See, the thing about like the the maiden arc where you've got those long songs like the you know how we listen to a six or seven minute song because we're diehard maiden fans and then it feels like a three minute song. We've right. done this. We've caught ourselves on this a bunch. I'm like, well, that song's awful short, and then we're like, wait, no, it's eight minutes. You see, for someone just listening for the first time, that's why radio songs are three minutes, right? And you need those quick pop. And quicker be dead just gets right into it. I think that's why. Yeah, no, actually, you make a really good point though. Like the fact that you, you want to give them the the quick hits. Anybody that hasn't listened to it, you just have a quick hook. I, I I completely agree. See, but be quicker be dead is one of those songs though that I remember when it came out, it was it was Maiden trying to be something they weren't. You know, it was like okay, here we are. We're we're kind of mid nineties. And full disclosure, I love No Prayer for the Dying. I don't care what anyone says. I think that's a great album. And again, in the context of time of what else was going on. Uh, you know, just off the heels of Seven Sun, Bruce going on a solo tour. I actually thought it was a good album. I still think it is a good album. But I really think Fear of the Dark was a weak album. Um, and I think Be Quick or Be Dead was one of those singles where it was just, okay, we're going to try to be heavier. We're going to try to match uh, Metallica or some of the other heavier bands. And it really wasn't representative of what Maiden were like or, or the kind of, you know, I don't want to use the word metal, but the, the kind of metal they were. You don't like Chains of Misery? <laughs> Oh yeah, or, or Judas be my guide, or week, or, or again, Weekend Warrior. How could you not like, open every set with Weekend Warrior? <laughs> oh. That's good. Yeah, you should open a show one day where you just do like virtual eleven from beginning to end. <laughs> Watch the place empty out. <laughs> Want people to come back? <laughs> well, you know, I I I love your take on Fear of the Dark, and we haven't done it yet, and we're gonna we're gonna rip through that at some stage. But one thing we've done, and we did it with. Dance of Death, and we just released eleven. Their uh, episode eleven. You you recently probably seen it, yeah. and we we had a situation when we got into it. Um, somewhere in time, we thought middle of the pack album. Got into it and realized, you know, when you start to break it down and review it, and when we when we break down an album, we like to. Well, personally, uh, I like to listen to it a lot and just to really get into it as if it's a new album, and. It changes your perspective, and with Dance of Death, like we we do, uh, you know, not to give any spoilers, but we do get into there's some some weaknesses, um, you know, some of the the theme aspects or some weaker tracks. Um, there's a little bit of campiness, um, specifically on the on the title track. the The artwork was a bit weak, various things like that. But listening through it, like it went from a four or five in my mind to a seven or an eight, you know, and that happens so I'm, I'm wondering with because we've been trying to take an album and rip it apart uh, just so that we don't look like total fanboys but it's it's difficult so i'm wondering fair the dark once we get into it if i'm not gonna get the backstory and fall in right. love again. spoiler alert no <laughs> <laughs> i've listened to it a lot I, I i'm not a fan but i mean once you dive into it you almost like you feel like you have to do it justice and then you're, you're talking about the positives and maybe i don't know what it is maybe yeah. there is a few good tracks on there but it, it was again just a very transitional album right well i like afraid to shoot strangers is a great song yeah it's, it's mm-hmm. a good tune that's another thing. Speaking of it, strangely, I actually prefer the Blaze Bailey version of that. I thought Blaze actually sang that song really well, probably better than Bruce. Yeah, he does do a really good job on that. I'm a huge. Uh, I think part of the reason I like Blaze Bailey is I'm a huge Danzig fan. So it's like Maiden with like a little bit of Danzig. <laughs> He's got the same kind of delivery too. And the same sideburns. Yeah, same sideburns. Yeah. 
The bee cooker be dead riff though is amazing. But anyway, I'll leave it there. I love that. Uh, just I know it's not even at the time. I remember thinking that riff is absolutely sick. Yeah, and that's what I mean for the catch for the new people. But you know what? Like when, when I just caught myself, uh, troopers hardly not easy to remember or to catch up to. So I've kind of like you know dug myself a corner. But I'm still it's not on the list. <laughs> Guys, uh, a little back to your uh, your performances there for a bit. Um, have you ever had any Eddies at your show? Any any ideas for an appearance of an Eddie? Do you have a friend you can get drunk and put a mask on? Yeah, most. I mean, we we've had the the walk on Eddies at, at a few shows in the past, and then we stopped doing it. You know, just basically because of not finding that guy who can get drunk and put the mask on. Uh, and we noticed that people would come up to us and they wouldn't even care. It would be one of those things where we always thought that having an Eddie at a show would be a staple, uh, just because it obviously is with Maiden. But for us, I don't think anyone had ever come up to us uh, after a show where we didn't have Eddie and say, where was Eddie? Nope, not a single time. But people do get a kick out of it um, when we have done it. And you, they get these little devilish grins. And you notice with Eddie, as soon as Eddie comes out, man, the phone, the camera comes right out. And they're snapping pictures and taking video like crazy. Okay, I got an offer. I got an offer for you guys. If we ever make it to a show, I'm putting, I'm doing the Newfie Rubber Boots Eddie, and uh, and Nesbitt's gonna be Yannick, and I'm just gonna basically come at him with some type of seal hack a pick and take him apart. <laughs> Do you guys have a guitar I can just like swing around? We'll get one for you, and a pair of white high tops. Absolutely. <laughs> but it is something we are working on again, just having the stage show uh, bigger and better. But we also want to make sure that. I mean, we're a tribute band. We're trying to be the spirit of Maiden. We don't want to come across cabaret or kind of parody. So if we do any, it's got to be good. It can't be cheesy to the, you know, I mean, Maiden's always kind of written that fine line, it's final tap in some ways, but uh, our Eddie has to be, it has to be good or at least intentionally funny. So, so that's kind of the goal we're looking at is having Eddie kind of reintroduced, but it's got to be, it's got to be good or it's got to at least, you know, leave people kind of smiling and, and for the right reasons. Yeah, I agree. It's got to be it's got to be something that people leave going, OK, that was kind of neat instead of just, oh, I guess they had an Eddie there. Yeah. Well, I got to say, I, I definitely uh, appreciate the uh, how serious you guys take it. And obviously it's 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 there in, in the in your music and the clips that we're going to play uh, before and after this interview, I think will demonstrate people. And obviously they can go to your website and do that. What's your next show? When is your next show? Uh, we have a couple of shows coming up uh, this weekend. On um, Friday, we'll be here in Winnipeg at a bar called Nashville's, which should be a really good show. And then Saturday night, we're going a little bit further north of Winnipeg to the town of Selkirk to play at a venue called The Merch. Then after that, we have stuff booked at a place called The Big A. Uh, and then I think we're still booking for summer as we speak. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yep. Guys, a little, little side note. Um, I don't know if, uh, if you... Nes, but we were looking. Where did we see that video? The, the 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 biggest Maiden collection was in Manitoba, wasn't it? It was in that shed. I think it was Manitoba that we saw. Do you guys do you guys know of that? Yeah, we actually. Uh, that's uh, Kenny Maximovich. We actually uh, we actually know who Kenny is, and we've uh, we've we've tried to back and forth with him as well. So yeah, he's just uh, south of town. No way. Have you been in the shed? I've. You know what? I've never been to a shed, but uh, true story about two years before I joined Maiden Canada. I, I sold my uh, Maiden collection to Kenny uh, off of Kijiji, and I, I sold to him for a price which I still now probably really, really regret, as well as probably selling all my stuff to him at that time. But uh, 
I didn't really know him from, and I didn't think I'd be in a Maiden tribute band anytime soon, but I sold everything except for my guitar tablature books, which I kept. But uh, all my stuff that I collected as a kid, all my black flags, my, my tapes, CDs, records, uh, posters and everything, he came and he, and he bought it all from me and I kind of met him at that time. Yeah, have you guys seen the video? We saw the video online, yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just it just kind of popped into my mind. I was like, "You guys, he must be like, he's probably at your at your shows, going around collecting you. You drop a drum kit or leave a shoe somewhere, they're picking it up." It drives me nuts now. If I would have known he had that big of a collection, I could have probably sold my stuff to him for twice the amount. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes you got to clear a house too. Like, just you know, you can't hang on to everything either. It can become its own trap. But yeah, no, that's definitely an impressive collection. I think the the thing that stood out for me, what was it? What what tour was that? He had the beanie that. Uh, yeah, it's anyway quite an impressive collection. So there's quite a fan base there. Oh yeah, there's actually a huge fan base. One of the things I find fascinating, and maybe you guys have done the research on this, but I've seen things where in Canada for some reason, per capita, Maiden sells like I think it's like double the amount of records here than in the United States. Or, or is it tenfold or something? Like it's something ridiculous where we we're just way bigger fans for some reason than uh, down south, and I just I just don't get that. Better music taste, maybe that also. <laughs> oh, yes. that, yeah, I guess it's also maybe it's the the whole trooper concept. I mean, maybe if you had an old Sam Eddie <laughs> waving a flag, it'd probably do a bit better. But guys, I, I got to say, we really appreciate your opinions on stuff. You're incredibly knowledgeable. Love you guys as a tri- tribute band. I think you're you're doing some great stuff. Um, I got to say, we, we, the the discussions have been excellent. Hopefully, we can have you on again to kind of break out down uh, maybe a few albums or a few more debates that we're having. Yeah, for sure, anytime. Yeah, anytime. We love talking maybe as much as you guys, and the stuff that you're talking about on all your different podcasts is exactly the stuff we actually talk about all the time as a band. Even not only you know like with what we want to play and what songs we might want to incorporate, but just like our preferences in general. So we're always like happily yelling at each other about what's good and bad too. Um, we're gonna after we hang up with you, we're gonna play one of your songs. Is there one of your songs you would want us to play? I think probably the Trooper. Good song okay. to play for somebody if you want to introduce him the Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> All right, deadly guys. Thanks for coming on.
So that was The Trooper by Made in Canada. Wow. That was a great interview. Great yeah. guys. Yep. Yeah. That track that I just played really capture Maiden, I think. They crushed it. Yeah. All of their music, I find, is, is well, and you could tell it shone through in the interview that they really care about what they're doing. It's yeah. a true tribute band. Yeah. I don't think they'd be doing it if they couldn't do it, like, perfectly. Do you think they like Maiden? <laughs> <laughs> Very knowledgeable, eh? A lot of oh, hot yeah. takes in there. I think uh, they know more than us about Maiden. Um, I, it amazes me um, that people put that much dedication into Maiden. Well, it doesn't amaze me. I, I just, I guess I get excited by it. And I think that... Um, you know they're to be commended because the commitment that they've shown to the band and uh, the energy that they put into it. I mean, it's there in in, in work form. Maybe we can tee up a clip some somewhere in the middle of this. Uh, the evil that men do because they're lead singers. Well, we didn't really get into them in the in the conversation, and hopefully we'll talk to them again soon. Actually, we have a few plans to to get them on again in in the future. But the vocals that they have are amazing. Uh, the instrumentals are great, as you heard there in Trooper. But they've really done a good job. Their lead singer is Calvin Turco. Absolutely. And man, he's got a set of pipes on him. He, he's really yeah, good. Yeah, he sounds great. He's really good. As a matter of fact, during the uh, Blaze discussion, and they were saying, like, oh, they could have done better. I was wondering if they were thinking. Because Calvin is incredibly strong. I mean, yep. you know, we never, we never had the chance to speak with him yet. But um, just for listening to the tracks, when, when you listen to a tribute band, they usually have to cover various arcs that Bruce, ma- Bruce makes. Yeah, well, here, I'll play a clip right now. So he just totally captured that's, it. He crushed yeah. it. He yeah. crushed it. I mean, that's as, as good as you're going to get if you're not Bruce. Um, so, yeah, the quality there, I think, speaks for itself. They've done an amazing job. And they threw out a few uh, a few tour dates there. But, uh, you know, any time you have an issue, it, it, or, well, if you're ever interested in seeing them, you can uh, check out their website. Uh, Google them easy enough. Message us. We'll put you in touch with them directly. And uh, when we can, we'll plug their tours. There's a potential future segment with them as well. Um we might get their uh, drummer, uh, Dylan. Yeah, we were thinking about yeah. doing a, a episode on well, Clive Burr and Nico McBrain, mm. but where me and you are kind of like... We're not drummers. We're not drummers. We don't really know. Yeah. We, we didn't want to just have the two of us picking out our favorite drum parts from Maiden songs, yeah. although that would be fun. Well, if you know, But I would yeah. like to have someone who knows what they're talking about that could really break it down for us. So I have a lot That's of opinions potential. on vocals and guitar solos and drums, yeah. but I'm none of those things. I really lean in on the beer because I'm a bit of a drinker, so uh, that works for me. <laughs> what do you think of this beer that we're drinking tonight? I'm not a huge fan of this banana bread beer. I don't know. I like it. Yeah. I grew up and my mother used to make banana bread regularly, so I like it. I agree. It's a There's lots of things taste. that I like and that I put 
don't, don't want, want them beer. in my beer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Coffee beer and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's good. Not bad. But... Coffee's no. I think the coffee porter stuff's overdone. Yeah, that that interview also uh, for me validated the concept of our podcast uh, that there are people that are so hardcore um, that dedicate so much time to this band. Yeah. That, I know. I wonder sometimes when we're talking about maiden things if we're going too deep yeah. or like we're getting too bogged down in these little details, but. I don't know. Apparently not. Apparently, there's other people out there. I feel that... like we've just scratched the surface I know. now. Now yeah. you feel like, oh God, you know. <laughs> and like I said to them, you know, uh, we were discussing off. We turned the tables to some stage and have them pick a topic. We'll we'll need months of research. We'll be, a, <laughs> you know, going to England and reading the scrolls just to catch up with them. <laughs> so now, excellent guys, uh, fantastic band. Uh, check out the website. And um, hopefully we'll have him back soon. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And our next, uh, I think the next episode coming up is going to be Power Slave. Yeah, we'll get into Power Slave. Yeah. We'll start, start working on that one soon. Uh, so that's our next kind of theme. All right, that's another one. Uh, yeah, TalkingMaiden. TalkingMaiden.com. TalkingMaiden.com. If you want us to cover an album, or you want us to cover a topic, or you disagree with something, or you think that we're like idiots. Yeah, <laughs> which would be great. <laughs> Go to TalkingMaiden.com yeah. or at TalkingMaiden on Twitter. Send us a message, and we'll definitely deal with it. So, until next time. All right.